0: This week on Dig Me Out
1: With your hosts Jason Zieck and Tim Minichi.
0: Jason Hey Tim what's up? What are you doing? Get off the mic. You're 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 causing all oh, sorts is there of something dist- wrong with my levels? You're causing all sorts of distortion. Stop that. Oh, now you're too far away.
1: How's this? Is this better?
0: A little bit closer.
1: Stop it. A little
0: bit. little, Just like a half an inch.
1: Or punch you.
0: Yeah, virtually. Across the country. So, Jay, this week we have one of our Requested Reviews.
1: Requested Requested Review.
0: This one comes to us from Crawford Blair. Now, you might remember that name, Jay, because he's requested two albums prior to this. Oh, yeah, hit me. Cardiacs. Okay. Carnival Art.
1: Huh, okay. Those are pretty challenging records.
0: Yeah, both challenging records. This one does not start with a C, Mm. so we've broken the trend there. The Cardiacs was a double record, so luckily we're not doing a double record again, because that was that was a lot for us. We we're getting do, old. Yeah, double records, we I had mean. to do breathing exercises for that. Episode. <laughs> Go to Lama's class. Uh, so we we've done two. Cha- yeah, he's given us two challenging records. Uh, very artistic, very expert not ex- very, very experimental, but it's a lot of experimental stuff going on mm-hmm. in those records in the format of rock and pop and Whatever you want to categorize the Cardiacs as. Mm -hmm. So this week, he's gone a little bit more mainstream, Jay. And he's given us the band School of Fish.
1: Yeah, they had a a hit in 1991, at least in Cleveland, it was a hit.
0: It was a nationwide minor hit. We're talking about Three Strange Days. Uh, Person who's controlling the music, play that single now, please. Thank you. Um, You might have heard that song on alternative radio in the 1990s. You also might have heard it in Columbus throughout the 90s into the 2000s because... (laughs) Into right now, this second. Because, uh, well, unfortunately, no. Um, So there's a bit of history with that particular song, Three Strange Days by School of Fish, here in Columbus, Ohio. The former a music director of the independent radio station which was at the time CD 101 they've since moved to CD 102.5 cuz they got a stronger signal at 102.5 it was named Andy Davis they everybody called him Andy man he was a, a real nice guy he ran the music you know ran all the music for CD 101 it was a DJ he actually had a bar as well called Andy Man's Treehouse and he loved School of Fish and played Three Strange Days constantly and I believe every year when they would rank the top 500 songs, because they would do that like mm. in at the end of, end of December they would play the top 500 songs most played throughout the year and then like end it right at the end of the year Three uh-huh. Strange Days was like always the number one song every year because Andy Man was the music director and it got played on his show every day
1: goodness unfortunately
0: <laughs> he passed away um, several years ago so it was a big loss for the Columbus music scene. He was very supportive of local bands. Uh, he was he was supportive of uh, independent music, and it was it was a huge loss for our community. Uh, but I, the, it this, it lives the, on in his between
1: that and uh, how much I heard it in Cleveland. I began to think that this was an Ohio band. <laughs> I'm not even joking. As I was reviewing the record, I was like, "Was this being from Ohio? Like, there's some connection there." No, they just got played a ton.
0: Just got played a ton. So let's talk about this band, School of Fish. They formed in 1989. They were only together for five years, broke up in 1994. The core members of the band were Josh, Clayton Felt, and Michael Ward. They originally started playing with like a drum machine, basically. Uh, they signed to Capitol Records in 1990. Uh, they had a drummer and a, and a bass player, obviously, by that point. Um, put out their debut album in uh, 1991. It was self-titled. And that we mentioned the lead single was Three, Stage, Three Strange Days, which did okay. It got you know onto alternative radio and college radio and that sort of stuff. And then they released their uh, album, which we are going to review. We're not doing the first album. We're going to do the second album called Human Cannonball. And that came out in 1993, so two years later. So, unfortunately, more this is a this is a sad episode in terms of what happened to people. We already talked about Anyman, Man um, support of this record passing away. Um, Josh Clayton felt passed away in two thousand, January of two thousand, of testicular cancer at the age of thirty two. Uh, his co-writing, or his his songwriting partner Michael Ward went on to play with the Wallflowers uh, and hmm. Ben Harper's band. And he has done uh music on his own as well as played in um various other bands. For this particular record, which was uh I mentioned this the sophomore release, there's some names attached to it we should talk about before we get into everything. We should.
1: Let's hear it. One,
0: the drummer is Josh Freeze. Who people No
1: way. Yeah. Uh kidding me. Why? Are we gonna get uh, into it? You'll find out you'll find out why.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh it's produced by Matt Wallace, well known producer. And um those are the two main things I wanted to, to bring up. Do you want to mention that, of course, if you want advanced previews of episodes, you should head on over to our Patreon page and you can get advanced previews, you can get clips of episodes that are not included in the regular parts of shows and right now we're running a contest if you sign up for patreon before april 30th you are entered into a contest to win a vinyl copy of failures the heart is a monster released last year it's double vinyl 180 gram it's a gorgeous record clear vinyl and uh it Listen, it's it sounds pretty good too. I have a copy myself. But we're giving it away to one subscriber between uh if you if you subscribe between now and april thirtieth, twenty sixteen. That's midnight eastern standard time. I've said enough. Jay, let's talk about this record. Human Cannonball, School of Fish, Crawford Blair suggested it. Here's what he said about this record. It's a pretty solid slice of a melodic, occasionally noisy guitar rock. Watching back old, watching back old videos on YouTube, the band had that look and poise where they could have been Jeff Buckley's backing band, but like Jeff Buckley, the singer Josh Clayton felt had a very striking and melodic voice that helps elevate the tunes a little higher than your garden variety indie rock template. The band split after this record, perhaps to lack of interest, despite being signed to Capitol and uh, being produced by Matt Wallace, which we mentioned. Josh Clayton felt carried on as a solo act before his death. This um, second record was always more interesting to me, but they had zero presence over here in the UK, which Crawford's over in the UK. Um, I only heard about them because of a chance remark a friend made about seeing the band support Crowded House uh, during the Three Strange Days era, which would have been around 91, 92. He mentioned that they sounded like this band I loved called The Rain Parade, So I always had it in my head to check them out at some point. Then I started seeing Human Cannonball appear in the reduced bins in London record shops. So that's Crawford's take on this. We also got some feedback from Ryan Fry on our Patreon page. He says, Oh yes, very happy to see you guys doing this one. There are a couple of good tracks, though definitely not as solid as their first record. One of my favorite school of fish songs from this period is Unrecognizable, a mere B side of the Take Me Anywhere single. Both of their track both of those tracks still receive a lot of play for my money. So if you go to Spotify, both the albums are on Spotify. Then I believe there's also a compilation of like B sides and unreleased stuff and what have you. So you could probably find that B side there. All right, Jay. Opinions are in. Let's talk about Human Cannonball and give our opinions of this record. I'm going to start with you, Jay. Tell me one thing you liked about this record.
1: Well, I liked it better when uh, less people listen to the podcast and I didn't have to worry about somebody of the band <laughs> hearing the review. Um, Why? Who's going to hear the review? I don't know. We get, you know, it seems like everybody in these bands eventually finds out. Um, uh oh. <clears throat> I'll start with. I'll be fair. I, I do like the singer quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a really good voice. Um, and I think it's unique. It's it's not... Uh, um, It's melodic. It's very clean. Um, yeah. But it's not really um, ripping anybody off. He's sort of uniquely been able to find his own spot without doing anything like, I don't know, over the top. Right. Um, I would describe it as maybe like Rain Mehta from our lady peace minus the annoying like <laughs> you know nasally stuff like right stripped him down to just sing in a more i don't know straight deliver- delivery it would maybe sound like this yeah, vocal
0: it's distinctive but it's not it's not going to turn somebody off
1: yeah i love the guitar tones sound really unique they're they're chunky kind of fuzzy a little gnarly mhm i think it adds quite a bit of a character to most of the record so to me those are the two and i don't is that basically the two main guys in the band the guitar player and the singer yeah exactly yeah so i mean that when you listen to the record to me that is crystal clear of like they're on one page and doing something that is from a foundation standpoint i think pretty solid mm-hmm. you know i don't want to skip too far ahead here but in general i don't think they're supported by the rest of the band oh Well
0: I I concur with you I think that the, the strongest aspects of the band Are Josh Clayton Felt and Michael Ward Now I will take issue a little bit with With the Michael Ward stuff Just because I feel like Although the guitars sound good I think it lacks a Definitive guitar part And what I mean by that is If you listen to Three Strange Days Even though the guitar parts Aren't complex What he does with them With a little bit of like psychedelic tinged guitar at the beginning of that song. And then like the really like, it's not, it's what would it say? It's overdriven and it's, it's real mid uh, guitar riff that, that riff on that, on three strange days, that like, it's, it's, it's it's simple, but it's very, very hooky as a guitar part. And Josh Clayton felt is able to find like the right melody to put over top of that. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like there's ever on this record a guitar part that matches the uniqueness of what goes on on that fr- on that song whereas there are a lot of solid gu- you know rock guitar riffs on this record none of that are you know there's nothing bad as far as the guitar playing there's just nothing that really like sticks out in the same way yeah and that's probably why there wasn't a big single off of this record.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, you hear, that's what I was saying. There's a foundation. There's a, you know, the chords are there, the singer is there. They're just missing the second guitar player and drummer to make these songs, to elevate them to another, more interesting place. Jay, are you killing
0: our chances of of me inviting Josh Freeze (laughs) onto the show? Is that what's.
1: Well, maybe. Look, I mean, the drums are competent. I mean, you listen to it, you're like, okay, you know, they're obviously this is, you know, a skilled drummer. It just doesn't sound like they're doing anything to help the songs. They're just basically, I I, I, I don't know, I'll, I'll take a guess here. And like, they sound like they are playing to the drum, to the drum machine part that was there before he came in the studio. You know, which I think the first record, just sampling it, I think most of that first record is is drum machines, even though they might have had a drummer in the band. Mm -hmm. I I know for sure Three Strange Days is a drum machine. So um, it it just, there's so many opportunities on here where the drums could do something um, to add groove or um, propel the song or be powerful. I mean there's a lot of like riffs on here that could be very powerful and they're just not. They're like middle of the road. Like, okay, yeah, I guess that would be a drum beat you could play. Um there's never any moments where Yeah, there's a couple moments on here where you could kind of hear like what a post punk band would do like in terms of the guitar bass parts. Mm-hmm. But and then they would mix it up with like a drum part that is totally counter to it. Or just you know really kind of out of nowhere, or syncopated or something unusual that would really turn it into what's you know maybe a pedestrian riff. All of a sudden, with a great drum part, turns into something really cool. On this record, that doesn't happen. The drums are just like, okay, well, I'll just play with the, I'll play with the guitar part. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, there's barely any fills. It just sounds very like. I, I, when i listen to it now that i know he played on it it sounds like he he like showed up in the studio listened to the songs once and basically put down a drum part
0: they are I mean, very elementary drum parts it sounds like what you said like the, there was already a, like a drum machine laid everything down all the guitar parts were already down everything was already down he just came in laid down a basic drum part and that was
1: it yeah i was like okay there's the drums are done right um yeah, you listen to a song like Every Word, track seven. I mean, that could be such a great power pop song um, if you listen to the vocal and the the melodies and the guitar parts and whatnot. But the drums are just like, they're from like another planet. I mean, they're there, they're in time, but they're not part of the song. And they're not like giving any sense of urgency or energy. It's just kind of this distant uh, element, rhythm element layered onto the tune. i just kept every song i just once i noticed that i just couldn't get past it and i fixated on track track by track would just be in my head playing out what you know what it could have been or a much more interesting way to take it or which eventually started to make it difficult to appreciate a lot of the rest of the the record um I think with the the other thing that I do really like about the record is the the idea of how it's produced. I mean, I love that it's this, if you listen to the first record, it's like super delayed and everything's double tracked and
0: mm-hmm.
1: it's very um, like 80s sounding. Whereas this record yeah. is maybe more of like a 70s concept where, you know, it's a hard pan guitar to the left. No, I mean, the vocals are not doubled. They're very dry. They do some stuff where the bass will get kind of fuzzy. Um, So you get this really cool, like, stripped-down presentation. But to do that, you really need to to have something special. You need to have a drummer that's special. You need to have a guitar player that's special. I mean, if you think about the records that are produced this way, you're talking like Jimi Hendrix, you know, Van Halen, you know, Randy Rhodes, like records where it's, You know, one guitar, hard pan to the left, just a great guitar tone and just they're carrying it because they're so good. Um, They don't have that kind of, they don't have those kind of parts or those kinds of players. No. So there's just a lot of empty space sometimes that uh, a second guitar part or some other instrument would really, really help a lot. I think the second
0: guitar part is the key. Like there, there needed to be a counter to a lot of the stuff just to create some more interest because you don't need I I think his vocal is strong enough on its own. You don't need to be doing counter melodies with that. Mm -hmm. But you need there needed to be or or like some sort of a cool, interesting keyboard part Mm -hmm. needed to happen. You know, there there's opportunities there to fill some spaces in it and it feels like and I don't know what the you know what the temperature of the band was at, at this time if they were dealing with the second album woes that we've you know run across so many times with bands in the 90s but it just sounded it just sounds undercooked like there's just it sounded like they could have used another go around it some of these songs just to flesh out some of the parts
1: yeah well like um stand in the doorway track 11 when that comes on the guitars are there's two distinct guitar parts it sounds huge it's such a it's such a contrast to a lot of the rest of the record. Um, unfortunately that song doesn't really go anywhere, but mm-hmm. I like the sound of it. I love the guitar tones. I love the you know the first 30 45 seconds of it. It sounds great. Even the even, even that helps to compensate a little bit for the the uninspired drumming, you know. If you can kind of get a big wall of sound from the guitars, you know, it's it's meaty, it's interesting and you and the drums play backseat, but when you strip down the production like this, which I love the concept of, but when you strip it down, then I then you're forced to analyze the playing. Like every note you can hear every every person in the band at every note they play. And uh, yeah, at least for review purposes, you become very critical of what what each choice is that they make.
0: The straight ahead sort of no frills drumming it works on I think it works on like a song like Fuzzed and Faded, where it's just sort of this plowing ahead you know beat and it kind of works with that almost like metalish guitar riff mm-hmm. that's going on um, the problem with that song is it's like, over five minutes long and it should be like three yeah yeah th- there's some weird choices in terms of like but the album's too long clear it's 13 songs it just there's just you could probably pull off two of the slower songs at least I could mm-hmm. um, and it gets really like along on the Oh well, it's it's I mean it's kind of long everywhere. You got a couple of 6-minute long songs and a couple of 5-minute long songs and you know with this band's ability and, and 3 days 3 strange days is a long song too, but it, it seems to work because there's actually some shifts in that song mm-hmm. which make it more interesting. Whereas some of these songs are like 5 minutes of just the same sort of feel and rhythm and yep. There's there's just not enough there's not enough evolution in the in the songs to to warrant five or six minutes.
1: Yeah, to fuzzed and fading is a good example of that. Where there's some dyna- there's finally some dynamics in the drums in that song. They like lock up the the bass and the drums kind of do that accent thing. then they don't they stop they don't cut it out they they keep doing it through the whole verse and you're like "Ah, how about some dynamics guys like do that in the intro and then when the verse comes like pull down play with a different feel you know what i mean give me you don't have to change up the chords and get crazy but at least give me some dynamics you know um it's a good example where that would go a long way in that song just some feel
0: Mm-hmm.
1: there's like very little feel it's like okay well this is how the song goes and we're going to play it exactly like this for six minutes
0: <laughs> yeah sick.
1: come on guys Like
0: I also heard in that song there was a lot of opportunities that they had, had a second guitar to do like could have done like cool squeals and, and like just playing off of that riff that riff is just begging for a counter guitar mm-hmm. of of just doing you know just weird stuff opposite of it and it's just it's just not there and it's a great riff
1: yeah it's it's a very cool riff there's a lot of great ideas on here you know there's um oh what song is it uh half a believer i mean that kind of sounds like an acdc tune when it kicks off you know big open chord simple drum beat but it has no punch or power you know it's like if acdc if you played acdc half-hearted it would sound like shit you know what i mean yeah you suddenly realize, like, oh, God, this is, like, two chords and the simplest drum beat ever. But if you play it with energy, you know what I mean, and have feel. Right. All of a sudden, those two chords transform into something amazing. So, yeah, that's, to me, what's missing here. It sounds very, I think you said, half-baked.
0: Yeah, and it's unfortunate because there's clearly talent here but it's just like the pieces weren't all in the right place when this record needed to be made. And probably, you know, they went from... They had a different rhythm section on the first album. So clearly they weren't in sync with what their rhythm section was.
1: Well, or or Uh, even just didn't think it mattered. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I could see that, you know, if it's two guys that know each other really well and they're the heart of the band and it's like... Oh yeah, we got to get a bass player and a drummer. You know, here are our songs you guys just you you need to play on our songs now. Let's hire some people to do it. Not really getting, you know, what the what the right drummer and the right bass player. And I don't think I actually don't think the bass is bad on the record. It's mostly the drums. No, the but, bass is
0: it's there. It's competent. It's funny. doing what it needs to do.
1: But what that could bring to some of these songs, I, I'm not sure. You know, maybe they didn't even realize
0: yeah, and it's too bad because you can hear in, in spots with Josh Claytonfeld's voice, like he could, if he was with different musicians, he could have they could have been pushing into like a jellyfish territory. Like he has that, the right vocal for that to do like yeah. a really um, jangle pop, you know, power pop style. They clear, you know, like you said, there's there's riffs that are kind of metally and ACDC-ish and and heavier, and it's clearly they wanted to go in like a kind of a a heavy direction, not heavy in terms of like Metallica, but just for alternative rock sense. And I don't know that that was necessarily the right sound for his voice. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, I think um, you also maybe could point a little bit of a failure of the producer here, like yeah uh, he should i don't know just based on the the length of the songs should should have been pushing this band more to get things tighter to get them you know hooky i mean they're, they're trying to be a pop band i mean there's not this right. isn't like they're not being like super artistic here i mean this is an attempt to be a pop rock band and there's not a whole lot of hooks on this record um there's starts there's concepts here that it can be turned into hooks or more melodic parts, but they it's all a little bit sloppy from that standpoint. Not that the playing's sloppy, but the just the just needs some editing and some
0: Yeah. You know. Well I think, you know, writing a chorus does not mean simply repeating a phrase <laughs> yeah. over a different set of chords than what your verse were. Like right. you have to there has to be some sort of a lift in the melody or something. There something has to be pretty there has to be some sort of a dramatic shift yep. between your verse and your chorus. And there's not, that's not happening on a lot of this record. He has choruses, but they're just not all that
1: catchy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You nailed it. It's basically take the title of the song and then they just keep repeating it. And some of them are like, after, you know, listen to the record a couple of times, I'm like remembering them, but it's just because they repeat them so damn much. <laughs> like right. standing in the door at the doorway, that, 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 part is from the previous song and then it's most of the next song and they just keep repeating that phrase and you're like you know it's working on you <laughs> it's kind of like uh, the the hit they had it was like in my mind it's you know it's as big as Elvis just because I heard it so many damn times it's like drilled in my head from, from radio I, I can't even tell you if the song's actually any good just because you know, it's such a part of my memory at this point. I don't even. I'm not. I can't even be objective about it.
0: Yeah, I would say that Three Strange Days" is a solid, you know, alternative rock radio single. But nothing. I don't think anything to get into our wrap up of this review. I don't think anything approaches what that song does, which is to place a pretty solid, you know, earwig or earworm. I guess not your wig earworm in you with that guitar riff and his vocal, you know, if you think about it, like when he sings that phrase, three strange days in that single, there's a counter on the guitar that works yeah, really well.
1: And, and, yeah. You don't forget that.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, and there's just, it d- that just does not happen on this record, unfortunately. So it's disappointing. Cause you know, you know we're talking we we're or you were saying some negative things about Mr. Freeze man's played on a lot of records 300
1: records uh, he's played dude, on. Th- that's why i almost fell off my chair when you told me who played on the record i mean he's played on a lot of records that i really like
0: julian hatfield's only anything only everything i really like that record that's probably my favorite yep. julian hatfield record and the drum there's a lot of cool drum stuff on that
1: record but to the same point he's played on 300 records Played on Chinese I mean, Democracy. If you play on 300 records, how many of those can you really, like, right. push and apply yourself to? Well, this or- was
0: pretty early. So, you know, I mean, he started... I would say started, but his first, like, notable recording was in 1990 with the Vandals, which he was a member of that band. So this is only three years into him having, like, a recorded... Mm-hmm. You no. Know, so there's something to be said about him maybe this just being early in his career and Maybe. him not, you know, yep. he got brought in to play on a session and did what he was told and put a pretty average
1: drum part down. Yeah, and I mean, to his defense, if he comes in and the band's, you know, got the material together and the songs are structured and they're not really looking for to rework things, well, right? you know, you're not going to be, you're not going to come in and say, oh, what if I paid this in halftime? <laughs> they're... Just, and no, that's not how the demo goes, you know what I mean? Just we're not re recording the whole we're not rewriting the whole song here. Yeah. So to his defense, who knows how much of this was his decision. Right. And I understand a lot of people are gonna listen to this and be like, Why being so overcritical? But to me this is the kind of stuff when you listen to a band and you go, meh I don't really you know, what I mean, there's a lot of people that just general music listeners will you know, you, you know what you like and what you don't and sometimes you can't figure out what you don't. Right. So the reason why I dwell on things like this is to like point out that if you don't like this record, it might have something to do with the drummers. The drummer, because it's it's pretty amazing the difference a great drummer can make in a band.
0: Yeah. So Jay, overall rating, were the album better EP decent single. Where do you lie?
1: I feel like how I ran it on it here, I should give it a single, but um I I really do, I really, really like the guitar sound and the mm-hmm. I like the singer. Um, so I would say there's at least an EP's worth of material here that I would listen to, if nothing else, just to get like guitar tone ideas. <laughs> Cause I think it's like a, maybe he's using like a, a hollow body guitar. So it just has a very cool, cool sound to it. Um, mm-hmm. So for nothing else, I, I kind of appreciate it for that. And probably we get through, you know, three to five songs on that level.
0: Yeah, I'd be at about a four song ep i think so i i think if you probably edited two or three of the songs you could get it up to six yeah um but right now it's it's about four songs max for me that i would want to actually release on my version of the album so uh that's a, a middle of the road review for both uh myself and jay much uh much more interested in what the uh singer and guitar player are doing than um other felt folks in the band so we need to thank mr crawford blair for this suggestion uh this was a a good pick by uh crawford because uh this is one of those bands that we definitely knew about but i don't know that we would have picked them on our own so right yep it was a it was a good opportunity to revisit and especially because we knew the first you know the, the single because of the constant airplay here in ohio
1: yeah, and the single was really—I um, mean, that was just before sort of the big alternative right. grunge thing broke, right? So it was kind of—I remember it being a bit of a, at least in you know when it first released in Cleveland, being a bit of an oddball on the radio, just right. being pretty different than anything else you heard at that time. And then quickly, I think within the, that year, the next year, it's made a little more sense, but. I could see a lot of people not uh, knowing this band or even remem- remembering the song uh, right. until they hear it. I'm sure it'll jog their memory. But
0: Well, they're going to hear it on this show at the top. Yep. We need to uh, let everybody know if you like what you heard, you can leave us some positive feedback over at iTunes. And, of course, if you want to get advanced previews of the reviews that we're doing or new episodes such as our roundtables and interviews – you can head on over to patreon.com backslash digmeout to join. It's a dollar a month to support the podcast, and we greatly appreciate it. At two fifty dollars a month, after 12 months, you get to pick a record for us to review in 2017. And of course, we're running that contest for the failure double vinyl of The Heart is a Monster. Deadline is April 30th. Thanks again to Crawford Blair, and if you want to make a request to review, head on over to our request a review page for the 2016 season. That's it. For Tim, for Tim, I'm Tim. For Jay, <laughs> for Jay, I'm Tim.
1: For Gary, I'm Bob.
0: <laughs> We're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out.
1: Thanks for listening. You can support the podcast by becoming a Patreon subscriber at patreon.com backslash out or requesting a review for the 2016 season at our request a review page at digmeoutpodcast.com.